Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about the season finale. Finale. The last. The last episode of the second to last season of Better Call Saul. The penultimate finale. Yes. Uh, Season five, episode 10, titled Something Unforgivable. Alexis, what do you think? This episode made me feel weird and bad for sympathizing with the characters who I have been sympathizing with <laughs> this whole season. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, boy, that Kim, though. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was excellent. I mean, it's... it's. I don't know if I would call this the best season of Better Call Saul. I really, really, really liked last season um, in retrospect, but... Mm-hmm. It was a really solid season, and Lala was a great character, and they gave him a lot more to do, uh, especially in this finale, and I thought it paid off. We really, 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 and I think we said this at the beginning of the season, we needed another Chuck-type serious antagonist character in the story, even though he doesn't necessarily interact with Saul that much, except for that one time where he super interacted with him. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm very happy that he's in the story. I'm also surprised to see sort of the role reversal here between Kim and Jimmy. It's mm-hmm. unexpected, I think. When I went into this season, I I fully expected this to be the season of Jimmy driving Kim away, Jimmy going too far, Jimmy... And, and it has been to a large mm-hmm. degree, right? But it's surprising to me how much Kim has been sort of pulling uh, Jimmy at this point t- towards some kind of life that... I'm not even sure Jimmy wants at this point. Like he's so he's in so deep, he's in so far over his head. Like it, I, I think I don't know to go with a pool analogy <laughs> and drowning. Uh, Kim's like an eight foot tall basketball player. Okay, and Jimmy's like go a six on. foot tall. I don't know. Uh, short volleyball player. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm We're with you so pool. far. Uh huh. And they're both wading into the pool simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And Kim keeps saying, hey, we're not even close to over my head. Mm. Could come with me. Let's sure. go toward the deep end. Right. And and Jimmy now is saying, look, I'm only six feet tall and you're dragging <laughs> me into the, the eight foot section. I can't do this. You know, but- it's funny that you say that, though. I don't know that he would have been as opposed to this idea before the desert. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Um, there's been a huge switch both mm-hmm. this season and also at the very end of this season specifically. Yeah which has been surprising to me, but not unenjoyable at all. Super enjoyable. I'm so glad that it's so much different than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it could have gotten a little predictable, a little bit boring if they had gone with kind of the stuff that everybody thought they were going to do. All right, we are going to get into the recap now. We start (laughs) off with Kim locking the door behind Lalo as he drives away. Uh, this is a continuation, obviously, of the very end of last episode. There's still in their apartment after this conversation with him. And Jimmy confirms that Mike heard the conversation over the phone and then tells Kim what really happened in the desert, though he does not divulge the whole story behind it. And Jimmy does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, over over kind of like, you know, he tells her the details of what happened, but not why it happened and not who is pulling strings here mm-hmm. and like how bad this actually is. Uh, and then he suggests that they get out of there. So they go to a hotel where Jimmy questions whether he's bad for Kim. And she says, well, he crossed the line, but of course he won't do it again. And he agrees. And she goes to sleep while Jimmy sort of sits in the darkness thinking. She turns the light off on him. Rude. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird how unaffected she seems to be by all this. Yeah. This is the first, like, strange behavior I've seen from Kim, (laughs) something that I don't quite... I don't quite understand, honestly. If I'm being honest, like, Kim has gone beyond this line that I thought she wouldn't cross, and she's become a character who I... I see acting erratically. I have a slightly different take on that. Okay. I think that when she told him point blank, I don't like this. I don't want you to go to the desert. And he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Crossing a line with Kim is a little bit different than just like crossing a line with Jimmy or whoever, somebody who recovers pretty quickly from betrayal, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, she is trying to see how far he actually will go. Really? I think she's goading him, She at, especially at the end of this episode. That's a dangerous game. It is a very dangerous game, but also when you're fed up with shit, I think you're fed up with shit. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, or maybe this is just the dark side, the dark side claiming our girl. I mean, I know she's had like a this side to her. I just didn't think there was that much of this side to Kim. I didn't think there was either, which is what makes me think that she is mm-hmm. kind of just testing him, see how bad he can get. Hmm. But also, she's Risky. her own person. She can make her own choices that aren't necessarily yeah. man-based. Which, man, we'll see that later in the episode, how she reacts to the insinuation that she <laughs> isn't her own person with her own choices to make. Yeah, that made me pretty mad. Yeah. Uh, I love this hotel. This is like New Mexico chic i like that there's not a key card it's an actual lock which yeah you don't really see that much anymore it's kind of old school mm-hmm. the, the lobby is really cool it's got like a whole bunch of colored glass and it just it feels like fancy hotel combined with uh a like a lounge regional. but also yeah. with a new mexico flair i like the uh the ceiling is very indicative of that because it has those wooden beams. And mm-hmm. later we see in the Haciendas, both of them, they also have those kind of wooden beams on the ceiling. Yeah. Like you said, the very Mexican slash New Mexican architecture. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Pretty cool hotel. Uh, and I don't think we've seen this one before. All right, let's move on to Gus. Um, he's surveying the remnants of his burned out chicken shack. When Mike arrives to report that Lalo's back in Mexico... Uh, unfortunately, he took Nacho with him, and Mike wants to pull Nacho out, but Gus is worried that they'll tip their hand, and he decides to continue using Nacho for his own purposes. Gus Gus is not letting Nacho out anytime soon. No, why would he? He's Which, a wonderful asset. He is, yeah. Well, he was. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Gus, after this episode, is not going to have any use for Nacho. Nacho's been burned. Um, his his cover's blown. Mm-hmm. So there's no incentive for Gus to keep him around. I wonder if we're going to look at a season six where Mike is having to protect Nacho. He's having to, he's sort of caught between these two worlds, right? He's caught between uh, doing the things he needs to do to keep Gus's operation going, mm-hmm. but also keeping Nacho out of harm's way because Lalo's gunning for him and Gus has no reason to protect him. It's, uh, man, Nacho is in a bad place. It's the thing with Mike's morality. Like, he can handle killing bad guys, I guess, if you want to kind of group them under that very loose term. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Apparently all 
Well, you know, they're probably shooting other people. Yeah, they probably are bad guys. Anywho, he has no problem killing those people, but he doesn't like to let people who are better than that yeah. get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Which makes him a sympathetic character, even though he himself is a murderer and a criminal. And, and overall pretty bad. A dirty cop in the past. Yep. 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 <laughs> Mike's <laughs> not a great guy, but man, in the context of, of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's one of the better ones. He is. Uh, I have a question for you. Why would Mike think that the only two options for Nacho at this point are, or rather, that because he isn't already dead, that he's going to going to get promoted? Why is that what his mind immediately jumped to and not, like, something else? How much has, has he been in a drug cartel before? Does he know? <laughs> I mean, he certainly understands the inner workings, and I, I don't know if that's warranted given his experience with the cartel um yeah he's always i thought been on the other than working with gus he's been on the cop side of it he hasn't been on right. the cartel side of it so why would he think that he was going to get a promotion instead of like him taking him to a shack in the middle of the desert to sweat him out yeah no it's a good question because i was very up in the air on that too mm-hmm. um, i didn't know if nacho was now in the inner circle or if he was going to be tortured and and you know try to give up the information he's got uh, I don't know. It's because Mike's a superhero is the oh, real answer. Right. Yeah. Mike I knows everything and is is the smartest and when he needs to be the fastest old man in the world. <laughs> the most accurate with a sniper rifle. Yeah, the strongest in a fist fight. Mm-hmm. The the break breakeriest of arms. Uh-huh. The, the biggest arm of bads. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, he's he's kind of what he needs to be um whatever. He needs to be it. And that's fine. Yeah, it's as long as you only have like one character who's like that. I don't think it breaks the story too much. Yeah. All right, then we move on to Mexico where Lalo and Nacho arrive at the Salamanca compound. Well, actually, I think this is Lalo's personal home Mm -hmm. um, where, yeah, Lalo is welcomed home by all of his staff and he, uh, Nacho sees that his cell phone is useless and he's introduced to everyone as, as they're welcomed into Lalo's home. This is uh, quite the charming performance by Tony Dalton. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know that he was also a psychopath, this, you you would fall in love with him all over again, oh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't tell if how much of the household's reaction to him coming home is genuine love and affection and how much of it is. <laughs> they know that they have to play to his ego, otherwise they're in trouble. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I... Lalo, I don't think has any reason to be uh, bad to to be anything less than amazing toward these people. You say that, but then in this exact same scene, he grabs yeah, a dude by the neck and shoves him. Nephew or whoever this guy in is. In a playful yeah. but not really playful, aggressive way. Not nephew guard. The I'd... youngest one, basically. So mm-hmm. he's obviously supposed to be the bag man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's always a question uh, with, I guess, dangerous or powerful people. Like, how much do they actually like you versus how much do they just fear or right. need whatever you have? Exactly, the love versus fear. And also, how yeah. can you ever know mm-hmm. which one is real? But I guess maybe past a certain point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And 
<laughs> they either get killed for not doing it or they just get fired. I so guess. bad for his poor household staff. They all get slaughtered. Yeah. It's. Mm hmm. All right, then we go back to America where Jimmy wakes up to find Kim getting ready to leave for work. He suggests that she stay in with him instead and she realizes he doesn't think they're safe and tells him that they still have to live their lives and just have to keep their eyes open. After she leaves, Jimmy calls Mike to get an update, but he gets hung up on, so he puts his pants on. He's determined to find out what the hell's going on here. At this point, Kim must know that there is some third party, right? I mean, yeah, all the... All the signs are there. I, I think we were talking earlier and you specifically mentioned the phone call <laughs> uh, right after Lala leaves. Yeah, yeah. Well, she could tell that the phone had been open the whole time. What what Jimmy said was, did you get all that mm -hmm. before he hung up? So that's shifty as fuck. She's definitely picked up on that. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's kind of letting him hang himself again or just kind of waiting for him to reveal the rest of the truth because there's always fucking layers of truth with this guy. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even when he's revealing, yeah, one layer. You, he's a lie onion. You almost feel. He's a lie onion, just like an ogre. Yeah, even when he's, you know, telling you the truth, how much of the truth is he telling you? And just never know. He's he's so shifty, uh, even with, with people that he shouldn't be shifty with, like Kim. Even with himself, he's pretty good at lying to himself, too. Oh, yeah. We've seen that all season. Actually, mm -hmm. two seasons now, ever since Chuck's death. Exactly. He's been lying to say. himself. Mm -hmm. So we go to Kim's job where she's won her case, and she's got the entire morning off. Doesn't really know what to do with herself. So she decides to ask for more work, specifically 20 felony cases, which are headed for trial, which, if you don't know, trial is a long process, and... Uh, 20 cases is a lot of cases to handle at one time, especially felony cases. Uh, and Grant takes her to the file room, which is stuffed to the brim with pending cases, which I would say shocks her. She's shocked and dismayed. Uh, the, 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 I'm shocked and dismayed at the state of this file room. <laughs> and now I totally understand why that courtroom had a moldy ceiling. Because mm. this entire courthouse is full of mold. It's mostly <laughs> mold. It's 95% mold at this it's point. It's moldy old paper, yeah. It's the only thing holding this courthouse up. Oh, boy. How did that happen? I. What is with the New Mexico government <laughs> that their courthouses are so moldy? Oh, man. Not enough grant money. Grant money goes to making guns <sighs> and stuff, I you guess. Get, get Mike in there with a wrench and a, a screwdriver, and he'll fix that place up. And a bucket of bleach. And then a bucket of cement. A bucket of cement. Yep. He'll bury all your secrets. And fix the, the leaking toilets on the third floor or whatever's causing this problem. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Spit on the nose to make a, a fixer be a literal handyman, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I really appreciated the line about uh, from, from Grant here who's talking about his client or whatever who's stuffed a dozen hard-boiled eggs <laughs> down his pants. <laughs> Just it, it amazes me how even in an episode where the stakes could never be higher for these characters and you've got so much going on in the drug side of this that we still come back and visit the lawyer side of it. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the things that 
Better Call Saul has done so well is it's been able to blend the two worlds pretty seamlessly. And I think, you know, it got off to a a difficult start, in my opinion, um, with trying to to blend the crime world with the lawyering world with Jimmy. Like the stuff with Tuco uh, early on was a little rough, um, but that might have been some Breaking Bad bias. But since then, man, they have really rounded into a show that understands like how to pull the drama out of what should be relatively mundane stuff when you compare it with the truly dramatic <laughs> stuff going on in this show. Yeah, the the bodily harm mm-hmm. side of things as opposed to the legal harm. Yeah, like her walking into this file room, I I feel the weight of that, you know? And then this is off the back of a scene where she almost got killed by a, a drug cartel kingpin like right how could this still be so dramatic exactly somehow it is the way they shoot it really helps too because we see what she is seeing plus her ponytail in the middle we're seeing this just being surrounded on all sides by old files that are literally pouring out of boxes moldy old files you are so fixated on this mold i agree it's gross you need to be wearing a mask in that room because it is moldy well to be fair everybody should be wearing a mask right now but (laughs) fair I wonder how much of this, her seeking these felonies, is her strong sense to do good and how much of it is something else. Because there is so much information in this room. Let's not forget. Yeah, the files are gross. Fine. (laughs) But there's information in there, too. (laughs) If you can find it out of the mold. Yeah, sure, but... Scrape that mold off. (laughs) My point being, all of the big drug cases, all the pending big drug Mm -hmm. things are going to be in this room. More than likely, we know they have a backlog, so those cases are at the top of the pile, as it were. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is something. In that room, yes, they could absolutely get lost. Could there be an accident in that file room and maybe, whoops, the file room goes up in smoke and suddenly all of these... People who Kim sees as the downtrodden are free? Is this the only copy of the files they have? I wasn't even going there, but yeah, sure. No, I just meant maybe she would know more about the Salamanca stuff. Oh, Because she be. has access to info. We don't know what file she took. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff here that might suggest Kim is, is headed for a season six where she digs herself deeper into whatever life she's building. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that toward the end. Sounds good. Okay, we go over to Mexico again where Lalo's working on his car while advising Nacho what to say to uh, Don Hector when they meet. Don Eladio. <laughs> yeah. Wrong Don. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, we go back to Mexico where Lalo's working on his car while advising Nacho what to say to Don Eladio when they meet. Nacho gets a call and goes to the bathroom to take it and he's told to open the back gate at 3 a.m. that night. He wants to know if it's going to be clean and because the staff is going to be around and he wants them spared, but he gets no answer and then his phone loses signal. Somehow, in this very short scene, I have like five things to talk about. All right. One, I guess Nacho has a Bluetooth phone. Two, mobile hotspots were not really a thing yet in 2004. How did they control his access to mobile towers because we saw the signal go back down Mm -hmm. right after that call ended what the fuck explain please to explain uh that's a good question i suppose 
I suppose you could create, hmm, how would you create some kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe Gus pulled some strings and got some military, some cutting edge military technology. Is that what you are about to try to defend to no, me, no, no, sir? No, 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 he went to, Explain he went to yourself. Verizon and he said, uh-huh. look, you got a gap in your coverage. Can I borrow a tower? And he Can I temporarily borrow a cup of tower? Put up, put up a tower <laughs> uh, to give Nacho signal just long enough to get the call through. No, uh-huh. it, it's a very good question. I, I was wondering how the hell, like it seemed far too convenient that suddenly his phone would work just long enough to get this perfect call in yeah. and then be shut off. It makes sense if it is a mobile hotspot because they could just get sort of mm-hmm. close to the Hacienda and suddenly right. there's a signal if his, again, if his phone had Bluetooth. But also, this is 2004, and that shit wasn't happening commercially until like 2007. Bluetooth? Why do you say Bluetooth? Not Bluetooth, but um, mobile hotspots. Oh. Because um, that's what they work through. It has to be Bluetooth or a USB connection. Listen, I wikipedia this shit. Don't try to come at me. <laughs> okay. You come at me. You best not miss. I'm just like Lalu. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how this phone call went down the way it did, but it did. Uh, it's, it's honestly one of the shakier things in the episode, and I kind of wish they would have shown like Mike with some sort of receiver or something or some sort of antenna that he was maybe bridging the gap between... You know, Nacho's location and the cell network, something to, to indicate that because, yeah, they they really like took some liberties here. And they did. Yeah, they're really leaning on our trust and forbearance. Oh, yeah. The last thing that I have for this, this particular scene, whenever Nacho heard that these people don't care about the old people who are in the compound, because why would they? Mm-hmm. Right. They're kingpins or whatever they don't care about that shit but he does and i thought for sure they were setting up some kind of thing where nacho ended up fucking himself because he tried to save these two people Mm, yeah before this thing happened and that was i was totally wrong (laughs) he he took off yeah i mean he's not gonna kill him but he'll let him die i guess so it seemed slightly out of character for me but again this person is involved in the drug business so like Mm -hmm. what am i expecting yeah, what is he expecting to? He's involved in the drug business. And mm-hmm. like, you're really going to put a hit on somebody and expect that they won't kill the staff. Right. I, yeah, it doesn't. Not just a little naive sometimes. Um, and I think he has been for a long time. It's why his dad's mixed up in this. It's why mm-hmm. he's mixed up in it in the first right. place. Um, and he's clearly, for the most part, a decent person. Oh, yeah. It seems like it. I was just surprised that he did end up taking off. But maybe at that point he knew how bad it was and that he didn't have a shot at saving anybody else. I think so. Um, Also, he didn't know, like, you know, he told them, please don't kill the staff. They're innocent. But then uh, when they come in, I mean, he still has no reason to assume that they're going to kill everyone. Right. If they sneak in and they kill Lalo, Mm -hmm. do they sneak out or do they kill everyone because things went so wrong here? Like, I go into situations expecting for absolutely the worst thing to happen. (laughs) So I guess he and I are different. All right. (laughs) Okay. We go on to what I think is one of the best scenes in the episode. Yeah. Rough. Ooh, so rough. Kim meets Howard in an elevator and is introduced to his associates. And then she tells him, oh, I'm no longer at my old job. So he chases her down the hallway to ask what happened. And he is surprised to find out that she quit 
and wants to know why. So they go to an empty courtroom and Howard explains what Jimmy did to him when Howard offered him a job. Kim laughs in his face, um, you know, because of how, I don't know. She laughs in his face because this whole thing is a joke at at this point with how deep she is uh, with the cartel. A couple of bowling balls is nothing. Jimmy do so much worse. She's Uh, seen so much worse from him. Um, And then he guesses that Jimmy had something to do with Mesa Verde and tells her he's out of control. How do you feel about this interaction? Uh... Ooh, I, I feel so bad for actually both of the people in it. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much she is trying to convince herself after this that he is the bad guy. Because we have to remember, he did kind of try to mess her career up a little bit back at HHM. I'm trying to remember yeah, the because circumstances Because of something that, that Jimmy did. Right, it was Jimmy did something. It was that commercial in the billboards. Oh, was it? Yeah, was it, it was the that billboard? whole. It was the billboard and the the heist. That stupid the commercial. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, and he demoted Kim to mm-hmm. basically document scanning. Yeah. And she, in order to try to get her to win her position back in HHM, she got Mesa Verde interested and brought them to HHM. Yeah, and- exactly. But he, but Howard kept her kept her in document scanning or whatever it was. It was something mm-hmm. stupid like that. Um, and kind of tried to take Mesa Verde himself. Yeah. Chuck gave her her position back after they talked because Chuck is only terrible about Jimmy. Yeah. Is he really that terrible about Jimmy? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> all sure fair questions. Uh-huh. Uh, but even after she got her position back, Howard wouldn't give her Mesa Verde. So she quit. Right. And started her own side-by-side solo practice with Jimmy, with just Mesa Verde as a client. That's why the scene- That's what broke them up, basically, was Mesa Verde. Mm. And for her to say, oh, I walked away, I'm not in banking anymore, of course he's going to chase her out of the elevator, like, hey, what, context, please, explain, (laughs) (laughs) this is what ruined our whatever we had before, our professional relationship. And she was one of the best lawyers they had, too. Yeah, and she she fucking left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why this scene is so good because there is at this point five years of history mm-hmm. going into this scene with characters, these two characters specifically, who have very deep, very complicated relationships, yeah. and it's not easy to come down on one person's side here because Mm-mm. they both did Howard wrong. is right, Kim is right, Kim yeah. is wrong, Howard is wrong, exactly. Chuck was right, Chuck is wrong, Jimmy's wrong. <laughs> Jimmy's right occasionally. Like, that's the thing. It's the some of the stuff here that Howard is saying is a hundred percent true. Jimmy mm-hmm. is out of control. Jimmy got so deep into his own bullshit that now you know him and Kim might never get out. Um, and he's he's lashing out at Howard for some perceived slight that was never Howard's fault to begin with. It was always Chuck. Yeah, it's more about what Howard represents than. Anything Howard actually did. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, Howard is Howard is Howard. <laughs> and he seems shallow, though I think like some of that has changed over the last season or so. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think I think his therapy did wonders for him as a human being. Um, and he's trying genuinely to offer something to Jimmy that he that he knows or thinks has value. Um, mm-hmm. which at this point Jimmy does not. 
Right. Uh, and that was his mistake. And also, Kim is 100% right here, too, because, like, this is the way Howard phrases this mm-hmm. is so condescending. It really is. Um, it, it's as if Kim has no free will, as if Kim is just an accessory that Jimmy wears. Or as if she's blind. Yeah. Like, of course she knows what kind of person he is. Why? How could she not? And yet he's trying to tell her, oh, this this man is a bad man. You should stay away from this bad man that you've known for seven years or whatever. And, and it comes at a truly ridiculous time. Like, <laughs> if you if Howard comes to Kim and says this even a few episodes ago, like yeah. before before they're in the, the before Jimmy's in the desert drinking his own pee of <laughs> running from the cartel and telling Kim about it this is a totally different tone to the conversation, right? She doesn't laugh in his face, I don't think. She might strongly word some stuff at him, Mm -hmm. but he has picked the exact wrong time to come and say these things because they are so far past whatever bullshit thing he's offering here, whatever warning he's trying to give them. It's ridiculous. That's that's the old old Jimmy album. We're talking about a whole new fucking (laughs) new release this year. Yeah, it's, it, it's like, I don't know. It's pretty it's like ridiculous. going to, to Bill Gates uh, in 1999 and saying, uh, hey, there's there's a bug in the, the Windows code. <laughs> he's so he's so far beyond that. Yeah. Like, it's, you maybe should talk to him in 1975 about <laughs> DOS code because oh, his shit is on another level now. Like they have problems far beyond whatever a job at HHM is going to solve. You're absolutely right. The The context of everything that is behind these characters' thoughts in this scene is really what makes it. Because yeah. Howard is still on this, the, like I said, the old Jimmy stuff. Yeah. The fun, kind of fun, not like super harmful, just kind of embarrassing Like, oh, if he just stuff. gets the right opportunity, he could be back on track, be Charlie Hustle <laughs> again, right? Yeah, yeah. That's bullshit. And That's we are, bullshit. Like you said, we are so, so far beyond that. And and bowling balls when she laughs at him, I I couldn't help but laugh because it is a joke. It's ridiculous. It is a joke. I I think that laugh might have been kind of forced. I think she's just not trying to implicate Jimmy in anything. Well, I mean that's the other part of this, right? Like, yes, what Howard's suggesting is is ridiculous and a band aid on a seeping chest wound, but also <laughs> uh, su- sucking chest wound. But also, Kim knows that he is right mm-hmm. to some degree, right? Jimmy is broken he's out of control he's he's doing things because he can't process his grief over his brother and the relationship the very troubled relationship that they had for many many years like jimmy's driven strongly by that and Mm -hmm. howard knows it and howard's been through the therapy that told him like what was driving him and a lot of those things were mixed up in the same the, the same person but also the same feelings about the same person right so he understands what's driving Jimmy a little bit more than, you know, Jimmy does. Well, I'm not even sure about that. He cares about it more than Jimmy does. <laughs> uh, but, man, and I don't know. This scene is so good. It's so good. It is really good. Whenever he, by the way, is describing all these things that Jimmy has done to him recently, it almost came off to me like he hadn't talked to anybody about those things yet like he hadn't brought those up in therapy and this is the first Mm -hmm. time he's been able to get it off his chest like the intensity of his delivery he is full howard with his his very 
controlled breathing <laughs> before he starts another sentence. Shit drives me crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he's he's really he feels like he's battling for the soul of Kim in this scene. Yeah, and it's not his it's none of his fucking business at the end of the day. You're right. You're right. She's it's her own not. person. She can make her own choices. She can I understand his impulse, but also boy, too little, too late. Yeah. And also he's been doing this to her yeah. since she's known him. Maybe he should have been kinder to her when, you know, she was proving herself as one of his best associates. Yep. Maybe should have been 10% less shit weasel. Could have changed some things. It's a shiny shit weasel. Let's All move right. on. Let's move on to Saul <laughs> going to Mike's house and banging on the door until Mike pulls up outside. Uh, Mike pulls, pulls him inside the house where Jimmy demands to know what's going on. And when it doesn't work, I, I'm, I'm interchanging Saul and Jimmy apparently in this scene. When it doesn't work, he expresses his worry that something bad's going to happen to Kim Mike tells him, look, Lala's going to die tonight. It's all going to be over. And then Mike asks him to leave before his family arrives. And he does. Yep. Boy, I wonder if you knew how loose of an end Jimmy would end up being. Oh, yeah. Just kind of uncontrollable. Yeah, my notes say this could be dangerous to give Saul his info. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how it's going to come back on him, but... If this doesn't go off as planned, and we saw this episode that it did not, mm-hmm. one of the first people that Lalo could come back to for more information is Saul. Have, or yeah, having known that Saul lied to him, right? You know, his suspicion didn't go away. It was actually just confirmed by everything Kim was saying, mm-hmm. um, and by that whole interaction in the, at the end of last episode. It's just he had bigger fish to fry, right? Now, he pointed his anger in a different direction. He he has the biggest fish to fry, and Saul might contain the piece of information that unlocks. That's what whole I was going to say. Thing. He's going to have to backtrack at this point. Yeah. If if he does go back north, we don't know. We don't know what which the direction f- was he walking. Fuck, Lala is doing now. He's doing it angrily though, and the yeah. gravel she's crunchy. <laughs> Very crunchy. <laughs> Uh, all right, we go to Don Eladio's house, and he notices uh, the cash load's a little lighter than it usually is because of the bad luck that Gus has had, but Bolsa assures him that it's over. And then Lalo shows up. Everyone's happy to see that he's out of custody. Including Charlie Manson. Who? <laughs> Sorry. Is there a guy who looks like Charlie Manson? He called a dude Charlie Manson in this scene. Char- I'll let oh, you I missed get it. through your... Dear recap before your I throw that recap. in. Dear little recap. Dear, Dear little, little recap. song and dance. Jesus. What am I? All right. A monkey. Lalo, I made that clear. Lala gives uh, Ladio Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari as a gift with a bunch of cash in the frunk. And then he introduces Nacho as their man in the north. Uh, Ladio asks how he's going to run operations up there. And Nacho says, oh, I'm taking territory from the biker gangs. going to divide and conquer. While uh, Eladio asks him what he wants, and Nacho replies, respect, autonomy, and not to have to look over my shoulder. And Eladio says, you're in the wrong business, buddy. But you got a job anyway. You should be in the upholstery business, is what he tells him. <laughs> says, you should be you should be working with your father in an upholstery shop. Yep. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You just need to look under your hand. Make sure you don't put a needle through yourself again. Uh, again. Yeah, again. he's done that once. He has a boy. So Charlie Manson, the particular level of stank put on the word frunk. Uh It's pretty amazing. 
uh, and Nacho lying about what he wants by saying exactly what he wants. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's lying like a champ. Right. You love to see it. You hate to see him in this situation, but you love to see him get his way through, work his way through. Yeah. Uh, is great. I, I really like. <laughs> God, uh, I would not be able to tolerate that person in real life too much. Oh, no. I mean, he's- Lalo a, is a better balance of that. Eladio is just like full- Eladio is Tuco. Like, Eladio yeah. is borderline ready to murder you at any given moment. If it's you go with more money, yeah. And, and you never, with Eladio, I never feel secure in a scene. Oh, I never no, feel, no, no, no. even with his most trusted people, I never feel like his jokes aren't back, are, are like double handed. Uh, d- like double speak, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I'll kill you and leave you in the desert. <laughs> 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 ha, ha, ha. It, it always has that feel to it. Yes, of course. And and yeah, I just, I can never get settled into an audio scene. The the interview was basically what it was. It was like the most high stakes interview ever with between he and Nacho. I was tense the whole time. Right. There was no part Even of that. He's that smiling. Until he poured laughing. that second glass of tequila, I was not comfortable. And then I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. We're going to get through this for now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what makes Ladio effective, uh, effective as a drug uh, cartel kingpin, right? Like he's, he's got a charm. He's, he's got uh, magnetism, but also he's a very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But very, very dangerous. And he could change modes at the drop of a hat. It feels very much like a Pablo Escobar type, which is what you want. Yeah, totally. At the beginning of this scene, I thought it was interesting, by the way, that Lalo let the the comment about the money kind of slide. It felt like Eladio was trying, sorry, Don Eladio, was trying to get him to say something about Gus's take, or not his take, but his mm-hmm. the money that he provided that it was a little short, yeah. and Lalo wouldn't do it. I don't know if that was, I don't know. What was that? Why did he do that? Do you think? I, I don't know. Why did he defend Gus? Is it just because one Balsa was there? I mean, we we have to remember they're both part of the same cartel. Yeah. And like. It's true. That, yeah. that is true. Yeah. To him, they are part of the same cartel. Yeah. A lot to of you think these are just my guys. Like, right. It's, it's not a case of. You know, they're in all-out war, which they are, <laughs> uh, the Salamancas and, and Gus. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's He sees it from a very, very different perspective, I think. They have always been two pretty distinct entities, though. He does pit them against each other, too. He's, yeah. he's you know, playing them both off each other so they will have an incentive to produce more for him. Yeah. Uh. And yeah, that, that there's always an uneasy tension between even Don Eladio and his own factions. Fair. I guess maybe it has to be like that. I don't know that it has to, but that's <laughs> certainly how he's chosen to run his operation. Fair. Uh, and at the end when he, you know, toasts Nacho, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help but hear the word salute and think of Breaking Bad. And all the connotations of that word, uh, specifically for Don Eladio. Yep. I don't think that was a coincidence. It's not. It's it's great. 
All right, then Jimmy is lying in bed when Kim arrives back at the hotel. He says, we're out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Kim is relieved. Jimmy has packed their things and suggests they should go home. But Kim doesn't want their time together at the hotel to be over or maybe their time together at all to be over and starts reading the room service menu. There's a great shot, a great, great, great shot in this episode where they keep showing Jimmy from certain angles um, and they keep sort of circling around the room, showing him from different angles as he's talking with Kim. And then right when the conversation turns toward him maybe leaving, him maybe like realizing, look, I'm not right for you, him mm -hmm. him approach, broaching that idea, we finally see the bags that he's packed there. And it makes you think, oh, shit, he's about to just say, look, I'm leaving, <laughs> which I, I thought was brilliant. Like, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of directing. Absolutely. It felt a little bit like a fake out, but an acceptable fake out. Well, I think Jimmy is uh, I, I don't I don't I think Jimmy is suggesting, not suggesting that he leave here. I, I think these bags that are packed, mm -hmm. he is kind of suggesting, look, I'll pick up my bag and I'll just be gone and you can live a normal human life. Uh, free from all the troubles that I brought. But, there, but you know, this is a very hard, that would be an extremely hard thing for him. Like yeah. he, he doesn't want that to be the outcome of this, but he's willing to make that the outcome if it means Kim would be safe. And I think in this scene, he's, he's almost giving her the option. Like he's not saying it, mm -hmm. but everything he's doing here is like asking the question silently to her. Do you want me to leave? Is this, if I, if I leave, is this something that's going to be good for you? And she reads that room service menu telling him effectively without saying it, which is what these writers do so brilliantly. Uh, no, that's not the option that I want to take here. Yeah. She very forcibly does not take that option. Mm -hmm. Just starts reading about that cheeseburger in that cheese veil. Yep. Mm, cheese veils. What is a cheese veil? So I'm thinking it's a very thin layer of cheese draped across something. Your face. Not, <laughs> yes, your face, your lover's face, and then you have to eat it off. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you do that to me, I do that to you back. It feels a little <laughs> too much like I'm a cat and my owner has died and I'm <laughs> chewing their face off. Or the other way around, you are the owner and the cat is chewing your face off. Or I'm a chimpanzee and I've been uh, goaded into something. You're a chimp who's been chomped. And what now you're I'm going to chomp. <laughs> Wow. All right. That's it. Magical. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for the season. Uh, we'll be back for season six in about four no, years. No, Fine. no. Fine, we'll finish. Okay, no, listen, listen, but listen. Yeah. How much of this scene is Kim trying to pull Jimmy back out of himself, too? She can tell that he's got yeah. some major PTSD going on, and maybe... I, I don't know. She's done this before, right? Um when Jimmy gets low, she suggests some things that she knows will cheer Jimmy up. Which just happen to be cons. Yeah, because that's what Jimmy loves. Sorry, I think I might have jumped a scene, but you're going to start. Were you not going to talk about the sexy times? Uh, yeah, I was. Okay, I thought so. Oops. All right, let's do, do it now then. <laughs> uh, Kim and Jimmy share the dinner in the room. She brings up what Howard said about Jimmy. And says, Howard made it all about himself and starts planning the next phase of taking down Howard, which includes maybe shaving him bald. Nair. 
Uh, Jimmy gets on board by suggesting other methods of removing his hair, and they end up in bed. And then Kim seriously suggests that they pin something unforgivable, which is the title of the episode, on Howard to ruin the Sandpiper case, causing a settlement that gets everyone paid, or to ruin his reputation, mm-hmm. uh, causing a Sandpiper settlement. One, one setback, one career setback for one lawyer. She says, "Uh, yeah, devastating career setback. It's not a setback. It's the destruction of his career." Eh, sure. I mean, if it's truly unforgivable. Then it can't be forgiven. You're right. You have to be forgiven to have a career again. Yep. Okay, so this is where I was trying to say maybe she's partly trying to pull him out of himself. And you agree. I see what you're saying. I don't know that I agree. I don't think it's all of it. That's why I said partly. I mean, it's never all of it with the show. (laughs) But yeah. No, no. I, I think... She has in some way been able to convince herself that Howard is worth taking down a peg mm-hmm. because of the things that he specifically has done to her, but also in some ways Jimmy. She might be leaning into what Jimmy thinks of Howard at this point. Yeah, there's some kind of protective streak that she has over Jimmy too. You know, she's she defends him when people talk bad about him, um, mm-hmm. when people say, oh, Jimmy, he's a flim flam artist. He's a con man. He's Chuck a scum right. lawyer. Chuck was right, <laughs> which he absolutely was. Let's not forget that. Let's not kill the lily. Yeah. Chuck, for all the things he was insufferable and an asshole at times. And uh, he was definitely right about Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she she tries to stand up for Jimmy. Um I don't know how much of that is is here, how much of this is like personal against Howard because Howard has wronged her, certainly. Um, how much of this is just Kim Wanting being to get Kim? Some money. Like, well, I mean, like, Kim enjoys the opportunities that she has had to kind of indulge in Jimmy's lifestyle. She always goes along with those and she has been getting ever less reserved about doing that and now you could almost see this as you know her breaking bad i've seen that in a couple of places people are comparing her to walt in this episode and i don't think that's unwarranted yeah um it feels to me a little too far for this character i thought that too I thought it seemed a little bit out of character. And that's why on my second watch, I was desperately trying to find other reasons that this could be happening to explain this because... I feel you, yeah. It's not even that this character wouldn't do this because I'm not sure about that. I I think Kim has a streak in her uh, where she would do these kind of things, but also... Why is she doing this now? They just got out of the shit. Why is she trying to get into the shit again? That's the thing. I... She, she they're in so much danger mm-hmm. um to to kind of give herself over to this right now seems strange uh and and that character i think has devolved into this lifestyle surprisingly quickly i guess it's been really just one season where she has gone from someone who very very reluctantly will scam for jimmy to keep him out of hot water mm-hmm. uh, to someone who is actively encouraging 
they try and ruin someone's life. It is really interesting. And I tell you what, we've been talking over and over again, all of us, all fandom, about how Kim is going to end, how everything between Kim and Jimmy is going to end. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about this until pretty recently, but somehow turning these people against each other mm -hmm. is a really interesting option with a lot of and there it's sort room of, for drama. They're approaching it from the opposite end. Um, I didn't think Kim would be the one pushing this thing down the road, uh, you know, getting out and pushing this car toward the cliff. <laughs> Uh, with Jimmy sitting inside going, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, how did we get here? Yeah, I thought I was driving this car. <laughs> yeah, oh man, the fact that she's taking up most of that bed at the end of that scene. Uh -huh. She's taking over the bed and the operation. Yeah, it's surprising. I don't, I don't want to like say, oh, this is totally out of character for Kim because I don't think it is. Right. I, I just want to say, I think they pushed this maybe a little too fast because I don't think they realized what they wanted to do with Kim until this maybe this season, if I'm being generous last season. If you're I, being generous, yeah. I'd, I'd have to be pretty fucking generous because mm -hmm. like you look at the the end, the finger guns, speaking <laughs> of, you know, Oh callbacks. man, yeah, that was the most baffling thing in the world to me until I remembered that Jimmy did that to her at the end of last right, season. Right, the end of last season yep. and she was flabbergasted by it. She, mm -hmm. It stopped her in her tracks and she couldn't believe this guy was doing this thing and now here we are a season later at the end of it after 10 more episodes and suddenly she's the finger gun gal. Mm -hmm. uh, it it seems a little quick, though I, I'm hesitant to say, oh, this is out of character. It's part of what makes me, I, I mentioned this at the top of the episode, what makes me think that she is trying to push him. Mm -hmm. She's intentionally pushing him. And to what end? That will be <laughs> the question that maybe gets I hope it gets answered next season holy shit i mean i'm dying so her justification here right is that she can take that money and they can they can she can start up a pro bono law firm mm -hmm. um that will just defend people who need it and, and give them the treatment that you know rich people have been getting for ages right in, in legal defense it's pretty noble it is and that is very much in character for mm -hmm. her like I, I believe that if she got that money she would do that thing um so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's bad. I think it's really, really good. It's just, whew, I didn't see it coming. It, I kind of got blindsided by it. I did too, and it was very fun to be blindsided by oh, something yeah. in a way that doesn't feel cheap. Mm -hmm. All right, we go to Mexico again, and we're 10 minutes before 3 a.m. Nacho sneaks out of Lalo's house, but Lalo's hanging out on his deck by the fire. And he has no choice but to sit down uh, with a beer, for a beer with him. And he suggests they try something stronger and goes inside, setting Lalo's kitchen to burn before returning with the booze. When Lalo runs inside to check on the fire, Nacho unlocks the back gate and a team of assassins enter. Uh, Nacho makes a break for it. Lalo fights off an assassin or two before making his escape through a secret tunnel in the bathroom where the assassins follow him through the tunnel. But Lalo doubles back and takes him out. Pretty, pretty amazing scene. Some strong survival instincts in this one. And I'm glad they set up that burning oil with Nacho at the beginning. And I'm glad that it came back. I knew somebody yeah. was getting splashed with that. <laughs> I knew. Can't yeah. fool me. No, it was good. Uh, and also, ah, ah, 
<laughs> yes. No, thank you. Getting hit in the face with hot grease, hot no, oil. No, yeah, that's bad. There's not enough good things to say about Lalo in this scene. Mm-hmm. So good. Also, Nacho just letting people in, letting old people die. A little out of character, but maybe his survival instincts are kicking in too. And I think he he hoped for the best. He hoped that these people would not be killed. Hope. He what hoped good they would sneak hope? in, kill Allo, and leave. Hmm. Hope doesn't save nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Uh, a big question going around was why does Lalo leave the bathtub, the secret bathtub tunnel open? It was absolutely so he could fish barrel those guys. Yeah. It wasn't. I don't think he was thinking of people being able to escape behind him. I think he was going to do exactly what he ended up doing. I thought it was dual purpose. I thought it was so his staff Generous. maybe could escape. Generous. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I like Lalo. <laughs> I shouldn't like Lalo. And, and I want to say- like Lalo. That's the other thing I've seen going around is that, oh, Lalo's amazing. Lalo's so great. I love Lalo. We shouldn't, but don't we do. Don't fucking love Lalo. Enjoy yeah. watching the performance. <laughs> Hate Lalo because Lalo is a despicable person. He's a little bit of a monster. He's just a deeply charismatic monster, which apparently all serial killers are, or at least a lot of them. Some of them. Yeah. Seen Ted Bundy documentaries. Ugh. A lot of people have apparently. Yeah. You talk about y'all's thirst sometimes. I mean, this is no different. This is no different. Loving Lalo. Hey, listen. (laughs) Don't come at me. Not in my house. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Uh, These these. It is. Why the fuck are we cheering Anti for this villains? guy? Why are we cheering for this are. guy to get out? And yet I was the whole scene. Yeah, we shouldn't be. I mean, it does produce better drama next season. Oh, I'm sure. so much better. I would be so sad if he were dead. Yeah. Uh, but he deserves it. He deserves death. Ugh, I know, but he's so good. He's so good, <laughs> though. Uh, we'll talk about the, the booze here in a bit. In mm, feedback. Booze thoughts. Yeah. Anything else about this scene? No. Okay, let's move on to Jimmy and Kim indulging in room service, uh, the ice cream bar this time, as they discuss what they do with the money from the Sandpiper settlement. Kim would hire people and give regular people the the kind of pro bono representation the only rich get, which I said earlier. Oops. Uh, Jimmy would buy a mansion, but he doesn't want to go through with it because of how deeply they'd have to cut Howard to make it work, and also suggests that it's not her. Kim suggests, I'm, I'd be fine with it, which surprises him even if she claims she's just shitting him. Does she claim that? No. That's That was my interpretation as I watched the scene, but I think at this point that interpretation is incorrect. I think the the first part of the scene before, I would say just, just post-coitus, mm-hmm. <laughs> she is trying to play it off like she's joking, but at the end of the scene, she's absolutely not joking anymore. Yeah. Hence the most baffling finger guns, which again, we jumped the shark and discussed too early. We did. Oops. Uh. Yeah, I would fuck up an ice cream bar right now. Are you kidding me? I am dying. Even if it's mint chocolate? I know you hate mint chocolate. Man, I hate mint chocolate. You're the the Jimmy in this relationship. And I don't even have a good reason for it. I didn't have mint chocolate right before the cartel dragged me into their shit. Mm -hmm. I just think it tastes kind of bad. It's like toothpaste (laughs) and chocolate. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, My favorite. Dental hygiene. <laughs> and also the opposite of it. Yum. <laughs> I don't have much more to say about this scene that we haven't already jumped the gun and 
So, oh yeah, no, we already fucked ourselves. Let's move on. All right, last scene of the second to last season. Oh, Lalo boy. grabs the last of the assassins and forces him to call in the job is done. He notices that Nacho is nowhere to be found and sees his staff has been killed. The, the last three words of my outline here, he's very angry, <laughs> which is probably an understatement. Accurate. Would you like to hear my last line yeah. in my notes? I sense a hunt through the desert coming, which would also leave Lalo terribly exposed. I don't know if that's yes. true or not. That would be true. Uh, that he would be exposed, yes, but also I don't know if he's going to who's be gonna a hothead him? enough. He's going to hunt Nacho. Oh, he's point. hunting Nacho. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, they are both on foot, as best I understand it, although... Nacho had that SUV. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet Nacho is in a car. I think so. But Lalo has cars also yeah um he's got his own car his yellow whatever it is that he was working on this episode mm-hmm. so, oh he's this dude's got way more than one car oh yeah uh yeah no i i assume him you know stomping off toward the camera is just for dramatic effect oh They're yeah not, totally like, saying no he's going it's to not going to be a foot race we're not going to get another fucking desert episode in this no show i don't think not like that. I, I wouldn't think so. Not not uh, an episode devoted mostly to being in the desert. Also, two car guys walking through the desert. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are setting up to unleash him, though. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm super excited for that. Again, preface, caveat. <laughs> d- Lalo is a bad guy. Hate yeah. Lalo. Uh, enjoy watching him perform. D- we haven't seen Lalo be a Salamanca yet. We've seen everything other than the Salamanca part of him. Hmm. The the angry, uh, vengeful, yeah. yeah, like burn the world down just to prove they're right or to, to, you know, claim some dominance over someone else. That is the part of Lala that we haven't seen and that's the part that I think we're about to get. I think so, yeah. He, despite all of his... All the parts of him that are deeply charismatic and mm-hmm. very fun to watch. He is also definitely, absolutely a hothead. Yeah. He burned down the building for basically no reason. He could have just destroyed the tape, but no, he had to destroy all of and it. And murdered a kid, yeah. Yeah, a guy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, they've done a fantastic job throughout this series, uh, building the Salamancas up into a force that should be feared for its ferocity and and vengefulness like i said um Mm -hmm. so having that unleashed in a character who's smarter and more fun to watch i think than any of the other salamancas is is about to get real real good absolutely i oh my god i'm dying for this next season i oh it's not gonna happen for so long (laughs) (laughs) because coronavirus and also shooting schedules as they're writing season six right now oh uh, no so and they're hoping to, yeah, I, I don't know. According to interviews and stuff I've read, they're hoping to have season six out sometime in 2021. You think so? That's what, I hope that's so. what they're hoping, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a possibility, and they don't know either. They're just hoping that that will happen. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to wait until 2025 to get this final season. That would, ooh, boy, that would be hard because they built up so much tension and we're just going to be right back to zero. Yeah. Unless you do yourself a favor of rewatching the previous season before the new season starts. I mean, I probably would. I yeah. recommend it. Yeah. That's what we've been doing. 
th there's a question like I'm I'm trying to think in Breaking Bad. I know that Gus kills Juan Bolso. He has a, a team go into the mansion or whatever and like six the the uh, DEA on him or something, and they're all killed mm -hmm. in a in a compound shootout. I don't think they ever give us a reason for that in Breaking Bad, other than he's he's the last uh, kind of straw that Gus has to to mop up before he's got complete control over the Albuquerque operations and the cartel operations. Yeah. And this is kind of the perfect inroad to that because there had to be some, there had to be some reason for Gus to take him out other than like, you know, I just want to be the only one dealing drugs. Right. We've only in this series, this particular series, we've seen him beefing with the Salamanca specifically, but not necessarily the, the greater operation. Right. Yeah. So, so my assumption here is maybe... Juan Bolsa. I think it'd be super interesting if Juan Bolsa found out or suspected that Gus ordered this hit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and maybe Gus can clean up the Lalo end of it, but the loose end here is that Juan Bolsa figures something out, and so that leads later down the road to him having to take out Juan Bolsa as well. Um, I don't know how much Juan Bolsa actually cares about the Salamancas, though. Yeah, I mean, Bolsa seems to be like one level above... Gus and the Salamancas, or maybe Gus's. I've I felt Gus's like Hector. he was kind of like a, a liaison for Gus. Yeah. To Don Eladio. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, in that case, that's that's weird because that would make that would make Gus Tuco. Nah, yeah, that'd make like Gus Tuco. If Hector is Bolsa, <laughs> mm -hmm. then Gus would be Tuco, <laughs> as far as hierarchy goes. <laughs> Boy, you're not wrong, but you're not right either. <laughs> that comparison seems Sorry. totally unfair. You saying Gus and Tuco in the same sentence, my my brain just melted a little bit. <laughs> Could not be more different. Could not be more different. Yeah. I'm just wondering if that's why he maybe has to die. Yeah. Or or gives another layer to why he dies. You know, sure. they're in this this entire series is about coloring in the details, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, we knew that Saul was this kind of guy, but how did he get that way? And Right. Oh, we knew that Gus had this cartel background, but how did it get that way? And they're working in this very specific little box that they've created for themselves. Yeah. And Mike, too, like all those mm -hmm. characters. So, yeah, could be interesting. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. Oh, we would be remiss if we didn't at least briefly discuss these fucking stormtrooper assassins that <laughs> uh -huh. Gus hired. Are you kidding me? I understand why it had to happen the way it did, but also, God damn it, why can never... Why can nobody ever make a shot? Just in the leg. It's always the leg. Yeah. I mean, the leg is the most vulnerable part of any person. Sure. He's got a big magnet pulling the bullets there. No, I. <laughs> there's one shot that's truly unforgivable where one of these assassins, supposedly a trained assassin. The best in the business, according is, to Gus. <laughs> according to Gus. I wonder what Mike would say about that. <laughs> uh, is, is just... Shooting at nothing, literally shooting at nothing. Tony Dalton's in a different room down a hall. He's 50 feet away. Yes. And this guy's going brat, 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 brat into nothing. Drywall. And they show him doing that. And it's like, what is happening? Why is What is he shooting at? Why is he still shooting? He's going to run out of bullets. I honestly thought they were going to make it a situation where he's fired through 
90 bullets and all his clips are gone or all his magazines are empty. And then he goes to try and shoot Lalo and he doesn't have any bullets left. Yeah. Because that's how stupidly he was firing his <laughs> weapons. Also, just like sniper rifles inside a house. What are you doing? Yeah. That's where that's where pistols are good for. It's true. It's stupid. I don't know. I, I didn't want to get your fucking tweets about it. So that's why I had to talk about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, boy. Hostile. I love you, but also don't criticize me. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to feedback. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. If you like to send in your feedback, you can't. The season's over. Oh, the Boom. email is shut down. Email address is... No wrap up or nothing. No, no wrap up or nothing. This is the wrap up. Uh, Damn. Yeah, uh, of course, you can still email if you'd like uh, to bettercallsall at baldmove.com. Uh, and we'll read those emails as we do all of the emails. Uh, this week, we're only reading some of the emails on the show. And we start off with Sean. Kim has been going further and further toward the dark side as the show has gone on, and it seems like she's completely given up on her legal career. Part of her finds all the scams, all the craziness exciting and intoxicating. In 509, she explains to Lalo exactly how shitty he is at his job, all the ways he could be way smarter about it. 
What if Lala decides she is exactly the sort of person he needs working for him? I don't think Kim would ever betray Jimmy, but I could see a world where Kim has completely given up on him, not only uh, on him, rather, but herself as well. I could even see a situation where working for Lala might be something she agrees to do to save Jimmy's life. Though I think if it were to happen, Gus would probably have her killed. Last thing he needs is Lalo becoming a better criminal. I could see that happening from the angle that it has to, she has to do it to save Jimmy. Every yeah. other angle, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. After this episode, <laughs> I'm a little worried for Kim. I wonder how much of my wanting to believe that she's only doing this to push Jimmy is maybe my own internalized misogyny a little bit because I... Mm -hmm somehow still don't want to believe that she is capable of bad things on her own. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. But also, she's been so good. She's mm -hmm. been so good up till now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to see her do bad things either, but... Oh, I didn't say I didn't like... want to see her do bad things. <laughs> hmm. I just saying I don't believe it. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I, I could see a world in which Kim gets more involved in the cartel than Jimmy does, and that's oh, why they boy. break up. Crazy. Or, or, you know, maybe they're still Or she ends up in fucking know. jail for 15 years. If she's lucky, she'll probably end up dead. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Dominic says, I've been feeling parched enough for some Patrick Kuby to drink out of the urine-filled Davison main bottle as we've yet to see any sign of our beloved Bill Burr in the series. Mm. I know a few episodes back he was supposed to be in the role of Mr. X, but you mentioned due to a family emergency we couldn't be privy to him. was curious if, hypothetically speaking... If either of you would be up for a continuation of the Breaking Bad universe with Kubi as the main focus in a series after this whole Gene thing sorts itself out, or is it time to put the Bunsen burners to bed? Oh, you just like Bill Burr. That's all that is. It's true. I'd I'd watch a Bill Burr show. I, I would too. I've watched many a Bill Burr stand-up special. Yeah. Delightful. I don't, I don't know if he's been in many shows. And he certainly, I don't think, has had a lead role in any shows. No. And I don't know that this would be the character... <laughs> to do it with Kubi. I I like Kubi. I like Bill Burr, but eh, I probably wouldn't really be too in on that. I don't know that he'd be able to carry his own show, at least not one that lasted more than two seasons. Here's the secret, though. I said that about Better Call Saul mm. before season one. You said that about Better Call Saul before season one? Oh, yeah. you were so wrong. I said, man, it's going to be fun to see more of Saul, but... How are they gonna? How are they possibly gonna make this character more than just like a few episodes of entertainment? Uh, and here we are with their years of experience and skill with writing. That's I know. how I doubted the Villa Gang, and they proved me wrong yet again. Slapped you down. All right, Damien, uh, <laughs> with the universal love for Tony Dalton's performance this season, <laughs> do you think the creators have it in them to produce a show from a show from a show? By adding a Better Call Saul spinoff for Lalo's Adventures in Mexico. Oh boy, here now, we go. Now here we go. Now you're talking. <laughs> Kubi, uh, nothing against you, but you're no Lalo. You are no Lalo. It is true. I haven't fallen madly in love with Kubi. What? Let's let's keep talking. <laughs> Podcast. Hmm. Right, I'm on mic. I forgot. I'll react to that while I'm listening back editing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That'd be fairly compelling, although I, f I feel like the the shine will wear off the apple pretty quick with that. <laughs> like I said, I said that about Better Call Saul <laughs> before season one. Yeah. Well, you were wrong about that. I'm right about this. That's the difference. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. 
No, he's cool, but I don't know how how deep he actually is. I think once you get past that facade of cheer, it's just immediately the murder stuff. And well, I don't know how much is underneath that. Here's the interesting thing. Um, the next place they could potentially go with Breaking Bad and it would, oh, with the Breaking Bad universe. And it, I don't know if this would be too big of a change for the audience, though I think there are a lot of things in common with the settings. They haven't really shown us anything on the Mexico side. Yeah, that's true. And you know, this show is kind of, New Mexico is a character in this show as much as a setting can be a character. It gets its own screen color and everything, yeah. Right, but Mexico could certainly be that, and it would still maintain a lot of the same flavor. I think it's the only other angle that hasn't been explored Yeah, where, what are you going to do, Nebraska for <laughs> six seasons? No. Oh, I have nothing against you, Nebraska, but also I do not want to watch that. No, no one does. Not even Nebraskans want to watch that. So, yeah, you could definitely take the show to Mexico, I think. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff you could do because we know almost nothing about that world. We know how Don Eladio goes down. Mm -hmm. We know what happens to Bolsa. We don't know anything else. Lalo has definitely, I think, piqued everybody's interest in the Mexico side because yeah. I remember reading a lot of comments before specifically this season and before uh, the end of the last season where people were saying that the cartel side of it was not, they didn't really care about that side of the story that much. They were mm -hmm. all about the Kim and Jimmy drama. But now suddenly people yeah. are more interested and it's all Lalo. It's all Lalo. Maybe you're right. You're maybe right. he could carry his own show. I think, I think maybe he could when we go to Mexico. Um, He's so handsome. You'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to get a, You'd have to get other protagonists involved. Oh, obviously it couldn't just be him. It would have yeah. to be what they did with what they've done with Better Call Saul. Also, it would be probably a majority subtitled show, mm -hmm. which would be, I think, a barrier for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't like subtitles. I've seen that with Parasite, yeah. I'm of the opinion that subtitles are harder to watch. Uh, they're harder to background watch is the problem. A lot of people background watch. Stuff. I think they're harder to watch, period. Like half of my enjoyment of a show is just looking at looking in the character's eyes, seeing what the, the actors are doing gotcha. and the emotions that they're not, you know, they're not speaking. And when my eyes are, you know, focused on the subtitle text, it's harder to do that. I don't think it's impossible, but I'm a veteran anime watcher over here just just watching you like mm -hmm, sure yeah I, I relate to what you're saying <laughs> you, you, you watch dubs. subs over dubs i'm sure subs you watch over dubs. dubs subs over dubs <laughs> subs uh, over yeah dubs. i think they could do it all right moving on to daniel okay so i know jimmy isn't exactly an addict in the traditional sense but as someone who lived a very different life a long time ago i recognize the pattern and why jimmy is so pissed that kim quit so suddenly he's talking about her job Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy's sort of dependent on being the screw up and Kim is the one, the good one who comes to the rescue. So when Kim breaks that pattern, it throws Jimmy off. Now that theory breaks down a bit when you think about them doing scam runs together earlier in the series, but I still think Jimmy was okay with that because he was the motivator, the driving action. Um, he had the same pattern just like with Chuck. Jimmy would have stayed in that pattern with Chuck, even with all the shit that uh, they'd been through had Chuck not killed himself. At any rate, it was many, many years clean before I could break out of that pattern with my mom. No, it's not the same exactly, but it is sort of uh, the basic enabler addict dynamic. 
Uh, boy, that's very relatable <laughs> to half of this podcast, I must say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And that control element is part of it. Like when he's, when he's the guy, you know, instigating everything, mm -hmm. he's more okay with it than when he's sort of, I don't know. And there's, it's interesting because that scam with Huel was kind of the first one where Kim took over yeah. and like said, okay, I have a plan. We got to do this my way. Mm -hmm. And I think he was okay with it at that point because he had come to her and asked for her help. But now they're beyond even that. I just, I don't think he likes anybody telling him what to do. Oh, yeah. You're 100% right. No matter how much he cares about them. He's Frank Sinatra. He's doing it his way. <laughs> Move on to Tom, who says, after you mentioned the gas cap from Saul's car last week and had questions about it, I had some thoughts. Prior to a rewatch yesterday, I was wondering how Mike knew exactly where the ambush would take place. He most likely had the tracker in Saul's gas cap and tracked him till his car stop, indicating trouble in the ambush. He stayed close by, but not so close to be seen by Saul. Then he got in position once Saul stopped. The very intentional shot of Mike removing the gas cap was to explain how Mike knew exactly where the ambush would take place. He also put it in the same pouch right next to the receiver, indicating him as the person doing the tracking. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. um, we were all like, kind of looking for the Gus angle because we knew that Gus was using those trackers. But in as much as Mike is working for Gus now, Mike is using the trackers. Makes a lot of sense. Yep, does make sense. And he didn't know the roads that Saul would be taking because Saul wouldn't have known to report back to him about that. Right. he didn't think that Mike would... Why would he think that Mike would be involved in this in any way? He doesn't know that there's necessarily a third party yet. All right, and then we go to Dr. Nick says, because I haven't heard it discussed on the podcast or feedback, I decided to finally write in about the whole Jimmy drinking urine I in the desert it. thing. I knew that's where we were going with it. <laughs> Why, by Dr. Nick? <laughs> if anyone at home was wondering, this generally should not be done. Salty, right? And certainly, while never dehydrated. We'll get to that. Okay. Jump in the Sorry. gun. Jump in the finger guns. Sharks. Your kidney has a variable and great ability to dilute or concentrate your urine and is capable of far more concentration than the concentration of your blood because the kidney is trying to conserve water to maintain your blood plasma volume, according to Dr. Nick. So if you try to do this while you are dehydrated, you could be drinking some incredibly concentrated stuff like drinking salt water. <laughs> the, the look you just gave me. Yeah, yeah. You you ruined the surprise. It's salt water. You're effectively to, drinking too much salt. We don't it would have to further get a cat. dehydrate I am you. A cat. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he goes on and says, like, you could drink a whole bunch of water, binge drink a bunch of water, and then pee, and then drink your urine if you were dehydrated, and it would rehydrate you. But that was not the case here. But so it's all about not the a good water idea. concentration. Yeah. No, I, I thought it seemed whack as hell and weird and it was just there for the gag factor strange for Literal mike gag factor. To, to tell him to do that i Agreed. think what they should have had is mike telling him not to do it the whole time because <laughs> it was a bad idea and jimmy insisting that, oh, that it boy. was a good idea it seems like that's way more in character yeah i would think so Darn. but they didn't go that way maybe we'll see that re-edit sometime the recut yeah let's go to john who says i've been wanting to write this email all year I love your podcast this is coming from a fan and a paid subscriber. I've been enduring this love affair with Kim primarily through American white males. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, the worst. They create most of the podcasts is what John says. 
I'm uh, not much better, but go on. John continues, every show as Jimmy gets darker or expresses himself more, Kim is right by his side. They've been together for more than five years, giving her plenty of time to meet guys more stable with a healthier outlook, and she chooses Jimmy every time. Jimmy is committing identity identity theft in the pool, and Kim doesn't blink. This is way back in like season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actively participates in scams and cons that result in thousands of dollars uh, taken. Each step, she dances with Jimmy during the following week. I have to hear, oh, I feel for Kim. This has to be the last straw. <laughs> I don't think she's going to stay with him, and so on and so on. Even you guys last week with the frog and the hot water story. Come on, guys. Kim is dark, darker than Jimmy. She's not a good goody two-shoes saint. Sorry, about, sorry, but this show isn't about the transformation of Jimmy. This show is about Kim and who she really is. I like it. I think I got into that a little bit with my questioning my own internalized misogyny earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I totally get why. Like, <laughs> It's weird in a show called Better Call Saul that Saul might not be the main focus anymore, but I do think it has switched. I think for the first three seasons, absolutely, Jimmy, Saul, whatever you want to call him, was the main focus. Mm-hmm. And probably even through the fourth season, he was the main focus, but I think it has definitely shifted toward Kim because that's where the stakes are. That's where the stakes are, and that's where things have changed so drastically. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy, we know where Jimmy ends up um, as Saul. I mean, you make a good point. We know where Saul is going to end up. We know what kind of person he's going to be. And he's already gotten there, right? Yeah, basically. He just happens to have had a pretty traumatic experience recently. I mean, as soon as he shoots the finger guns and says, Saul Goodman. We're there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that was the moment to me where Saul Goodman was... Saul Goodman and not this hybrid of Jimmy and Saul. Sure. So now what do you do with the rest of the series? You got two more seasons. Mm-hmm. You have to knock him back from Saul a little bit, I guess, and let him climb his way back to it. No, I think you switch focus. You just switch over to Kim, who, who has okay. been just as compelling of a character for the majority of the series, um, but hasn't gotten the same level of service that Saul has as a character. It's because she's mostly been going along and also playing the standard female protagonist role which is to say no 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 don't you do that that's not good being the brakes on jimmy's crazy train right now she's she's... loading coal into the engine (laughs) yep just shoveling coal see how hot this can get ah so scary we're going too fast kim (laughs) i can't wait i'm excited all right a few more here maria says has a few questions here might take some time on this one uh these are my questions regarding the finale I'm at a loss for words on what I thought, but I was kind of disappointed. It seemed to be a big setup for the final season, and that's it. Uh, Question number one. So Nacho ran. Where did he go? Back to Gus in Albuquerque? Uh, My assumption is that Nacho is going to get his father. Yeah. And either hole up to see how this assassination attempt went, Mm -hmm. or potentially just skip town, because if Gus... If Gus will move on Lalo, what makes think what makes Nacho think that Gus won't move on him as a loose end? Yeah. Do you think he wouldn't try to go to Mike? I don't know how he'd be able to get in touch with him, though. I don't know. I Mike hasn't helped him, right? Like he's gone to Mike That's a couple true. of times now, and yeah. Mike's been like, "Yeah, wait until this thing's over," and then <laughs> Gus, <laughs> oh, that voice. 
yeah, it's, it's a little more droopy dog uh, than I gave it, but that's what I think is going to happen. I think Nacho is going back to his father to either try and hunger down and protect him or try and get them the F out of there. Yeah, I I would lean toward the latter. Yeah. Toward. Number two, how do you think Jimmy will get involved with the cartel again? Do you think they will want him to represent someone again or do you think they will come after him for something? I I mean, it, I could totally see that Lalo would retrace his steps to try to find the third fact the third party the whoever was betraying him oh yeah yeah i think um man yeah now that they've tried to deal with lalo and he hasn't been dealt with i I think lalo has bigger concerns at the moment like he knows that nacho was involved in this and i think he's going to immediately be gunning for nacho but assuming he can't find nacho or he can't get at nacho for whatever reason saul is the next logical place to go so it's the only face he's seen for sure he doesn't know about mike or i guess he could go straight for gus maybe i don't it seems unlikely. he could he could he could come right at gus um he kind of destroyed his headquarters like where do you go to find gus now yeah because you used to be able to find him at the chicken shack all Mm -hmm. day every day now I don't, I don't know. He might might as well be Ciroc in a quadcopter above the planet Westworld. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not up to date on this season. I actually haven't <laughs> watched any of it. I'm a terrible person. Let's move on. Uh, so, so, But you also have to remember, I think, that Saul is not really in the cartel in Breaking Bad. As mm-hmm. he describes it, he knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Right. So he's like two steps removed from the cartel, which means, in my opinion, he's got to get further out of the cartel as opposed to getting back in good with the cartel. Yeah. He just needs to stay good with Mike, mm-hmm. and then that kind of squares that relationship that he has in Breaking Bad with the cartel. Yeah, this is that box that we have to keep working in. Kind of rid themselves into a corner, and it can't. Yeah. I'm so glad there's only one more season of the show because things are have been ramping up so much that they <laughs> almost can't meet the level that Saul is at at the beginning of Breaking Bad. Yeah. He's kind of just this. They have to knock him down. Yeah, exactly. He's he's gotten he's gotten two in bed with the cartel at this point. Yep. No, nope, he has to become more two bit. He's three bit right now, but he's got to be two bit before Breaking Bad. I think uh, question number three is one we've kind of discussed already. What the hell did the creators of the show do to Kim? They made her more daring now, and it doesn't seem like the Kim we grew to know. I, I think they have changed Kim over the years, uh, more subtly in the first four seasons, a little bit more rapidly in season five. Mm-hmm. And I understand if that doesn't sit well with some people. Yeah. It lends credence to your idea that they maybe didn't realize what they wanted to do with Kim until late. Oh, in the I game. think the writers, according to an interview I read, basically said that they said like we didn't confirmed yeah like we suddenly realized like we had this thing in kim that we needed to to explore more yeah yep um and i don't know if that was season five or season four or what but it was pretty recent uh question number four do you think lalo knows it was nacho who was the mole yes so what do you think will happen will he try to kill nacho probably and then our final email for the season is luis lewis L-U-I-S. I don't know how to say that exactly. Uh, but he says, FYI, when Lalo tells Ignacio... Ignacio? You mean Nacho? <laughs> I just never <laughs> see people write out his whole name anymore. Uh, to bring the good stuff, he calls it Luis Trece? Mm. Trece? Mm-mm. I'm trying to do a, a 
Italian pronunciation here of a Spanish word. That's not a good idea. Uh, which is Louis the Thirteenth in Spanish, one of the most expensive brandies in the world. Yes, I'm very familiar. When I worked in a, I worked in a Twenty First Amendment liquor store okay. when I was like twenty something. Twenty First Amendment, interesting. Go and on. And we had a bottle of that sitting in a glass case, dusty glass case that was selling for I think at the time thirteen thousand dollars. Very dusty. Yep. It was extremely dusty. <laughs> it, the whole case was full of these fancy boozes. This did not. Here's here's the shocking thing to me about this. He does not pour from a Louis XIII cognac bottle. He pours from some kind of decanter. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you decant an entire bottle of Louis XIII? Because drinking it all he, the time, I guess. Because he can post $7 million of bail. Because he he's got give one a, a month. Yeah. $13,000 to him is like a tip at a drive through He's got a closet yeah. fucking chock full of this stuff. You think he needs to like savor yeah. it? You think he needs to show off the label to anybody? It's fair. No, no, no. Yeah, they always do this. Um, Zafiro Añejo is obviously a made-up thing, but mm-hmm. it has like a lot of properties that you would see with um, some other very high-end expensive brandies and, and cognacs and boozes, like, like fancy stoppers and stuff like that. Actually, on our website... On baldmove.com, we have an article that I wrote way, way back in like season four of Breaking Bad when it was on the air and we were covering wow. it way back in the day about like, is Zafiro Añejo a real liquor and all of its similarities with stuff like Louis the 13th? Because I don't know. I just had that built in knowledge and decided to put it out there. Smart. For the world. I like it. Articles are good. Nobody reads them, but they're good. <laughs> Sorry. Some, uh, some people read them. My own them. feelings are leaking out. I read articles. Uh, all right, read this article. That's the end of the season, motherfuckers. Uh, it's been fun. I'm super glad to have had you on the podcast. I think oh, thank you. a lot of people have enjoyed you. Um, I'm a goblin, and I'm glad that some people like to hear that. I know the switch was was rough for some, but thank you for sticking with us. Thank you. Uh, yes, it means a lot to me. It's been a good season. We've got a lot of feedback specifically for you. So thanks for, thanks for being on it with me. Thank you for having me here. It's been an honor. And a pleasure. I am not necessarily a prestige person. I would say I'm not a prestige person. I'm trash. But it's <laughs> been delightful I to talk about that. prestige with you. You always dispute that, and I always tell you you're wrong. My home is a trash can. That's where I belong. <laughs> we'll we'll be back for the next season. I can yes, guarantee that. Absolutely. Uh, see this thing through to the end. Mm-hmm. But that's it for this season. Thanks also to the audience. Thanks for all our club members. Thanks for everybody listening, everybody who sent in feedback. We appreciate all of it. And we'll be back in hopefully not five years, maybe just a year if we're lucky. If we're lucky, yes. I would like that very much. Thank you for everything. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. <laughs>